the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic, where the first round draft grades are up, the quarterback reactions are up, the pick by pick analysis is up, and of course, the best available as we enter to round two and round three tonight are up. The Athletic has got all the coverage you need on all the major sports that you care about. Personalize the app with your favorite teams and leagues. Get up-to-date information every single day. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. And of course, it's fantasy football season. It's it's always fantasy football season, especially in dynasty leagues. Dynastyowner.com is the preeminent dynasty fantasy football system using real NFL contracts, real GM decisions. You will have to, of course, draft your prospects this year, starting with Trevor Lawrence and his $9 million plus average salary. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. Get your league signed up. Get yourself going and get ready to update your fantasy rosters accordingly. DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Janay. Happy Friday morning. Happy draft weekend. Scott and I are going to break down, financially speaking, as much as possible, the first round. Of course, the quarterbacks, five of them taken, 18 offensive players swung heavily in that direction. We'll talk some draft pools. Of course, the three trades that happened. What what does that mean, financially speaking? Um, We're going to try to limit the Aaron Rodgers talk, if possible, (laughs) because, again, I I won't believe that's going to happen pre-June 1st. And I don't believe it's going to happen at all in 2021. I think Green Bay is going to hold tight and that'll be the end of that. And then after 2021, probably a whole different ballgame. But, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about with Scott here is that quarterback wise, I think the league may be pretty good right now, maybe pretty solid. I mean, there's going to be some mid-round quarterbacks taken as depth or maybe as trying to find lightning in a bottle in a few cases. But, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation may be more interesting than the Aaron Rodgers won. So Scott and I'll break down the 49ers, of course, the Trey Lance contract and all of that. And we'll be back again in a couple of days to do it again, by the way. Once the full draft is done, we'll have a complete analysis, how much teams are going to be spending on their draft pool, who needs to do some work cap-wise to make that happen and going forward in the offseason. Okay, let's talk some day one draft with Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back to the show. Happy Friday. Happy day two of the NFL draft. Now it gets fun from our perspective. Now it's like a transactions game, right? It's less about the pick to pick and more about just kind of keep it up with the rat race. Let's take some time to digest what we had last night. Initial impressions, because I know your, your kind of job in terms of how we manage the night is trades, you know, updating draft pools, things like that. Maybe the back side of things. Initially, for me, in terms of you know the last ten years or so we've been doing this, it seemed like it was a more quiet night. Is that correct? Yeah, I agree. I, I was kind of surprised by the fact that there were only three trades because everyone was projecting that there was just going to be this crazy onslaught of uh, movement, and we really did not have that. Which a couple of years ago, I felt the same thing was happening. Everyone was saying there was going to be all this movement, right. and then it was a, a really slow night. Same thing happened last night. I, I'm I'm predicting that there's going to be way more movement in the second and third round tonight than there was. Um, obviously, there's more rounds and picks, but I think there's going to be more movement today than there was yesterday for sure. So outside of like maybe two or three picks, 
doesn't it just seem like everybody kind of fell into the right laps? Like <laughs> it did. Right? Like the Chargers got the most versatile offensive lineman. The Steelers got the running back they wanted. You know, the teams that wanted edge rushers got their edge rushers. I, I'd say Dallas maybe faltered a little bit in terms of where they were um, and what they were looking to get because of the picks ahead of them. Maybe the Giants, similar situation. But I, I don't know. It just seemed like. If you if you read a couple of mock drafts and you maybe looked at some av- available needs lists and kind of keep up with this stuff, I, I think there's probably 29 to 30 teams that are pretty freaking happy with themselves right now. And let's spin that positionally. The first thing I thought of when I woke up this morning is I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is now the 33rd quarterback in football. I, I'm not sure that there's a direct connection to him starting football right now in 2021. And I know you're going to push back and and many will and say, well, you know, he's going to start and Trey Lance will come in halfway through the season. I'm not sure because that trade didn't happen last night, Scott. That trade happened two weeks ago. Right. (laughs) And you can say that they inquired about Aaron Rodgers and you can say that they were in on Mac Jones and they were considering Justin Fields. There's a 99.9% chance that the second they made that trade, it's because of Trey Lance. And that was always the guy. And everything else was agent team smokescreen and i would not put pe- that past the shanahan family at all they they are highly experienced in how to do this kind of stuff so it, look we've seen this happen so many times that now we go through the mini camps and the training camps and these young kids with the athleticism and the big freaking arms which that's what lance is all about they're gonna there's a wow factor and when you when you get when you see enough of it you're just gonna want to play it you know, the, the compensation they gave up to get to number three. Now the compensation they, they're going to have to give him on his number three overall contract versus there's literally a walk away any day situation with Garoppolo's contract. I, I don't know. You, you know, because financially speaking, Scott, that's the crux now. I mean, Garoppolo is set to make like $28 million. Now we're having the Eli Manning conversation where you and I had to yell out loud, why are the Giants doing this? And that was only $17 million. That was $17 million when they drafted Daniel Jones. They kept him. They paid him $17 million. He was benched by like week eight. There's no way they're doing this with $28 million on Garoppolo, right? No way. So does Jimmy take a pay cut? Or does Jimmy just say, cut me? You know? To me, that's the yeah. conundrum now. Yeah, yeah, that that's a great point. And if if he wants to be on that team, and you know you're not going to get a starting position, do you right? Do you take that pay cut, saying, "All right, I'll at least be here as a mentor, but I'm still going to get paid," or yep. do you think that you can be a viable option on another team and get into a new system and go through all of that gambit? as they start over sort of like Mitchell Trubisky has done with the Buffalo Bills. Right, yeah. I, the tweet I put out this morning just kind of referencing him, Scott, uh, I sat there with a cup of coffee and I'm like, who could it be? Because obviously the, the reason I opened this with he's the 33rd quarterback is I'm thinking Sam Bradford. Remember when Bridgewater got hurt in Minnesota? And yeah. All of a sudden Philadelphia had the gold mine in, in, a, in an experienced starting quarterback that Minnesota needed. They got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford late in August because they needed it because because of the awful injury to Teddy. They can hold that card if they want, but is somebody going to take a $28 million hit 
for Jimmy Garoppolo late in August? I don't know. I don't know if that contract is tradable. So my gut feeling says that they keep it right where they are. They've got about 18 million in cap space, maybe 15 million with a couple more contracts coming in. So they can afford this draft class and Jimmy right now. And I think that's probably what they do for the next few weeks. But it's pretty crazy that after one night of draft, I'm pretty sure all 32 teams have a path to their starting quarterback right now. And maybe the one team that has the most question marks and the first team I put on this Garoppolo tweet this morning is Houston. Because who the heck knows what's going to happen there? Now, Tyrod Taylor's sitting there probably waiting to start. So is that a viable option? Probably. That's probably what the safe proof option is. So again, not, not even that team has a path to Garoppolo starting week one. I just thought it was fascinating that you know, yes, there's some project quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't know that Mac Jones gets the week one start. We'll see, probably. But I, I think everybody's good right now. Do, do you feel the same? Yeah, there, there are going to be some teams that are going to go for a quarterback still, for sure. You know, Washington, I've heard, you know, maybe some second, third round might go for a quarterback. Or Don't you get the impression that though, that, that it's Fitzpatrick's team, though? It, it, I do. Yeah. I do especially with how the makeup is with who they've acquired and the the direction that they're going. They went defense round one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I do agree that all of the teams probably have at least a penciled in starting quarterback going forward. Now let me, let me connect some dots here for you since we're talking about San Francisco here in this Trey Lance pick. He has been working with John Beck. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if you're familiar old with that. Old Washington name. quarterback, right? Old, old Washington <laughs> quarterback. So he he has been working his ranks up, sort of like the Jordan Palmer, sure, as the quarterback guru to help these kids. So Trey Lance has been working with John Beck. John Beck was on Washington. John Beck was on Washington when Kyle Shanahan was there. Nice. So there's obviously in my mind, a direct correlation between John Beck and having conversations with Kyle Shanahan in the background and saying this kid is probably the legit pick. To go. You know, you, you said a lot of names there and, you know, you start reading these draft grades or, or just any kind of comparables with these draft prospects. The name that keeps getting compared to Trey Lance is Josh Allen, Scott. Well, Josh Allen got fixed in an offseason by Jordan Palmer. Correct. So why doesn't Kyle Shanahan calling Jordan Palmer, who clearly was able to figure out the footwork situation, the arm angle situation, and get Josh Allen from a D quarterback to an A minus quarterback last year? I mean, incredible improvement. Can you remember if Josh Allen was with Jordan Palmer before he was drafted or I don't know how long it is. I know. I know he was there last summer before he had this breakout. Right. Yeah. Where I'm going with this is if he wasn't and Trey Lance is already a leg up by getting in with this, you know, a a quote unquote guru helping figure out footwork, arms, angles, whatever it may be. This may be the, like you just said, the path of Josh Allen, but on, on speed. Sure. Just a different set of eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, you're right. And maybe he's getting it earlier than, than most quarterbacks do. I think it's probably pretty common right now, especially with the higher prospects, but 
it's a good connection you make that that the Shanahan's have been involved all along here. And uh, like I said, I don't think I, I think there was a lot of smoke coming out of San Francisco the last month or so. And we all kind of fell for it because that's what we do this time of year. And this is the pick. Uh, real quickly, these contracts. Like, let's just talk quarterback contracts, I guess, because that's where we're kind of focusing to start here. So Lawrence is going to get about 36.7, although I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I bet he makes about 30 of that before he's extended after year three. Let's be perfectly frank with what we have there. I mean, if Jacksonville sniffs any kind of success out of this kid, they're going to lock him up just like the Bills are dying to lock up Josh Allen right now. There's just been so much poor play at that position and so many hits and misses that um, they're going to get overly excited to have a kid like that who's competent and, and can run that offense. So probably three years and out for him. I, I'm still concerned with Zach Wilson, but he's he's locked in $35.1 million over the next four years plus the fifth-year option. Trey Lance, 34.1, just a little bit less than Wilson. And and then in terms of the next two, the big drop-off happens after after the fifth fifth pick. So the next quarterback, Justin Fields, I mean, could just be absolute value for the for those Chicago Bears at number eleven. That's a four-year $18.8 million contract, only a $3.4 million hit this year. You know, I, he's even if he's the week one starter. They didn't need Dalton ten million guaranteed. That's not even a big deal anymore because you got so you essentially chopped ten million off of what Justin Fields probably should be getting right now as a as the as the third best quarterback in this yeah. draft. And, and I think you'd pay that ten million dollars to have that mentor for yeah, Fields. absolutely, or or to be able to slow play Fields, one of the two, and then Mac Jones fifteen overall to the Patriots, the best value of course of all, four years fifteen point five million. Less than a $3 million cap hit this year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They're going to have Cam and him for about $7 million of cap for the 2021 season. And Jared Stidham's probably getting tossed by the wayside. So, Well, and I, and I saw our, our good friend Robert Royola tweeting out last night with Trey Lance when he was taken. He's going to get hit with 50.3% in federal and state California taxes. So yep. and then you got... Trevor Lawrence going to the Florida, no tax rate there. So he's the only one, right? Yeah. Illinois has got state taxes. New York and, and California are both high and, and Massachusetts as well. So yeah, so, Lawrence so, is the king of all Kings here. Yeah. Being in, being in Florida at the number one pick overall is just, you know, cherry on top of the <laughs> cake right there. Um, let's switch to this. We, I know we got a couple of ways to go here. The continuity seemed to be the driving theme last night. So linking up college teammates, right? A wide receiver with his college yes. quarterback, a running back with his college quarterback. Um, it was just all over the board. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys basically interchanged Penn State linebacker Sean Lee for Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. There just seemed to be so much. I mean, the storylines were kind of writing themselves out there. Um, what stood out for you? Was the ETN pick... Uh, you and I kind of joked about it because it'd be a nice little fit. Was it a reach? Mm, I, I don't, I don't know if it was a reach. Yeah, it is. Let me put it this way. Joe Burrow got his ass beat up about six weeks into 2020. <laughs> How is that not an offensive tackle? I think you're going to see them take the offensive tackles today. Probably I think with that want... first pick, right? 
I think they wanted to, they got their quarterback. So you want to get your value running back that the quarterback already knows who that running back is. And you're tandeming the Clemson boys together. Sure. So I, I, I think you're, if you're in Vegas, you're doubling down on those two and then you'll get your offensive line and figure it out. But you get your, your premier player in the quarterback, you get your weapon that they obviously need a running back so you, you go with uh etn lock it up go with your offensive line and go from there i think you're right there's a there's a kid tevin jenkins out of oklahoma state who who his major comp is cam robinson the current left tackle for the jaguars so that could be the pick right there scott i think you're dead right pick 33 should and better be some something on the offensive line yeah because and, we got to keep this kid upright and the other the other aspect of going that route is first rounders get the fifth year option. Yeah. Second rounders do not. So if you think that ETN is going to be a stud, you have them. So you get the fifth year option and then you can franchise franchise and go that route if you want to. Whereas if you go with your offensive line and it does hit, you don't necessarily have to fifth year option and you could go a different route with that. So speaking of that, least- Scott, I, I- I noticed this as I was entering the data. It's a good point you're making, just kind of how this may be where we're going, right? Five years of a, of a star running back, a six-year franchise tag, and then get the heck out. And unfortunately, that, that may be life as an NFL running back. Travis Etienne just turned 22 end of January. So walk that path down. He'll be 27, maybe worth a two-year extension like a Derrick Henry got, like, like uh, Aaron Jones got. You know, you may be able to sneak that in. Najee Harris just turned 23. So he's a whole mm-hmm. year older. And you walk down that fifth year option, you're 28 going on 29. I don't know if he's getting that second contract. That's just logistics. That's just logistics right now. So and not to mention Pittsburgh notably does not pay that second contract with their weapons. Wide <laughs> receivers, tight ends, they just don't do it. So Najee Harris should not be considering himself a, you know, a $40 million man in Pittsburgh. And if if the wheels fall off in Pittsburgh over the next couple of seasons after the Ben era kind of ends here, he may be looking to get himself out of there. Truly. I mean, this might be because they're going to kill him over the next two years. They're going to run him into the ground. He knows it. They know it. It's just how Pittsburgh operates. So something to keep an eye on is the kind of the career encapsulation of Najee Harris with, with where he's starting age-wise, the, the situation he's going into. Because ETN Scott, he's already kind of packaged with James Robinson. There's already a one-two punch there in terms of running backs. They do have some pretty nice offensive wide receiver weapons. And Lawrence likes to throw. So, you know, I, I would imagine that the touches for ETN are going to be considerably less than what Najee Harris is going to get in Pittsburgh. So if you're kind of combining these two players or comparing these two players, the projections of their careers, I, I tell you right now, there, there's better long-term promise for ETN. So uh, you're right. That's a that's a nice way to look at well, this if the team is positioned to take the, the running back. And that's the only question mark I have. I'm not sure, Jax. I'm not sure this was the year for it. But back to the original point, you can't argue putting college quarterback and running back back together. Right. And if you're on a... a you are on a win-now trajectory with the new head coach. Everybody is. Well, where I'm going with this is they've sort of 
put it on full speed and going with that quarterback and the running back that have already have that chemistry together. They don't have to do – they're going to do their offseason workouts and all that, but the fact that they have already know each other and know tendencies, yep. Lawrence doesn't have to learn those tendencies with ETN. They can – they're essentially a plug-and-play system on top of the new coach, on top of – Shad Khan, who wants to do whatever he wants to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, this could, you know, we usually don't see number one overall picks completely change the franchise and go from zero to deep in the playoffs. But if they put this together the right way, Jacksonville could literally be one of those five or six teams that were out of the playoffs and be in the playoffs if everyone stays healthy and this plug and play works. I'm going to have a final thought here because I I think I have to kind of stay true to who I am and and I've killed teams like green Bay and I've killed some other teams that I I just, these, these running backs are dynamic players. They're home run hitters. They're dynamic players. And I would be remiss if I spoke about the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line and not Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh is just decimated. Pittsburgh lost their all-pro left tackle, their Hall of Fame center. They've been kind of nickel and diamond the thing back together. This is what this says to me. Because if you just want a back that's going to run three downs, bury his head, and try to get you first downs, you go to the third round for that. You know what I mean? Like The fact that they did it here says this to me. Ben's our quarterback. And Ben is not capable of winning alone. Ben off Ben Roethlisberger's physical abilities right now are not strong enough for 17 games in a postseason run to use a passing game heavy offense and win successfully. They're going to run. They're going to play really good defense because I do love their defense, and they're going to run the heck out of the ball. and And that's the only way that this this pick at 24 overall can be a C plus B minus in my opinion is that they are truly going to utilize their offense through this route. Because if this is just a complimentary piece to Ben and they're going to still open it up and let Ben throw for 5,000 yards, this is garbage. I love the player, but this is garbage from Pittsburgh right now. This is no way to finish Ben's career. You got to, you got to put some, Ben can't move. He can't move and that's okay. He's been, he's been incredible for a long time. But you, you better bookend him with the best dogs out there. And I, they haven't done that this offseason, and they didn't do it last night. So I, I can't like this pick for Pittsburgh, even though it's the most Pittsburgh pick ever. It's just this wasn't the time for it. You know, it, it's not that this isn't how you you handle if the, Tampa Bay didn't do this. Let me put it that way. Tampa Bay didn't do this. Okay. Nope. And uh, and they won't. They went and got their 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 extra running back off of waivers. Okay. They gave Gio Bernard um, basically a vet minimum contract to, to kind of complement the rest of the pieces. So it's, I hope he's a great player. I, I like the kid a lot. He's been a ton of fun. All these Alabama running backs are just so fun to watch, but both of these picks have some question marks. There's no question about it. Um, let's talk money a little bit here, Scott. We did have some movement. We did have some trades, uh, who kind of added cap? Who who dropped cap last night in terms of their draft pools and, and, and what the trade pieces mean? So we had, like I said, we had three trades. We had 
Philly and Dallas with the trade. We had Chicago and the Giants with the trade and the Jets in Minnesota with the trade. And we ended up having uh, a couple teams added cap, some lost cap based on that movement. And did the teams who added cap, did they have it to burn? Um, Give me those teams out loud and I'll tell you. All right, so the three teams that gained cap because they moved up were the New York Jets, Philadelphia, and Chicago. The three teams that obviously lost cap were Dallas, Minnesota, and the Giants because they had backed off. It's uh, not significant because we've only had one trade, but I expect that number to, you know, we're going to see more movement over the next uh you know, today and into tomorrow as these trades happen, it'll be less and less significant because the further down you go, the less cap is getting shifted, especially when, you know, some of these picks are in 2020. So the cap doesn't even affect those picks next year. So, you know, some teams worked out where they may have moved down, but they gained cap next year. So, and we obviously don't have that metric factored into this so the bears have zero cap space so the fact that they added draft pool is not great but let me preface that they but it's only nine hundred and thirty six thousand dollars trust me trust me every dollar counts for them right now but every every dollar counts but you know when we start getting into the top 51 and guys at the bottom of the pool are going to get crossed off and not count as much well no i'm i'm telling you that their top 51 is basically zero right now they have oh, okay. they have nothing to work with, but oh. their biggest cap hit is Allen Robinson's franchise tag. Mm. So in adding draft pool last night, they did so by, by, to draft Justin Fields. Does the prospect of having Justin Fields for the next four to five years get Allen Robinson comfortable in extending into a multi-year contract? Because right now, I don't think he is. And why should he be? They announced on February 1st that Andy Dalton was going to be their starting quarterback. So maybe this changes things and then they need it. They need the cap space. So they're either restructuring a few more contracts or Allen Robinson's locking in long-term and lowering that gigantic cap hit right now. I think that's probably what happens here. I think, you know, and what is the deadline again for not till July 15th, July 15th. So you've got plenty of time to get it done, but I think they made a big push for that last night with the fields pick. I, I would have to imagine that, Chicago is pretty freaking happy this morning. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think they did what they had to do. Me too. I mean, we've been killing we've been killing them for so long with these quarterbacks and what they were going to do. And I think they actually made a move that is going to help them in the long run if it fields is the legit. Did they give uh, up a first for that? They gave up uh, a first next year, right? I think so. Yeah. 2022 first. Okay. So, I mean, it's, yeah, got, it's 20, got some pain. 20, 2022 first and a 2022 fourth. Yeah. Look, that's painful. So, he's the guy. This is Trubisky all over again. A little bit lighter version of that. But he's the guy. Whether he's this year or next year. But now now you got to go to Allen Robinson and say, look, we got a stud quarterback, a couple of good wide receivers. We think our defense is still up to snuff. It's about getting him locked in for three years guaranteed. That's the next step in Chicago, in my opinion. Um, anybody else stand out, or you want to go through some uh, positions and and, uh, and college numbers here, Scott? 
No, nothing really stands out. I'm interested to see where these trades go today to see how much alteration happens in the cap. Yeah, I I think it'll be a lot more fun uh, logistically to talk Monday morning after everything's kind of settled a little bit. But I'm purposely not bringing up Green Bay. Do you have anything to say about Green Bay? (laughs) I don't want to make this a 97-minute podcast. (laughs) No, I, I, I I want to bring up the Atlanta pick real quick. Okay. That's fun. So they, they took Pitts, five million cap hit. Yeah. They only have two million in space in top fifty one. Who who on that team are, are they gonna make a trade? Are they going to uh I know we've talked about them in the past, but now that we've actually have the pick in and they did not trade out, what do they what do you think they have to do? Make a trade, <laughs> restructure some more. Um, obviously the Julio conversation yeah. started ramping up last week, end of last week, into beginning of this week. But obviously he is not tradable just as, you know, not yet. Play. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Right. Not yet. But all right. Do I'll, they slow play that? What do you think? I'll give you three options here based on what I've kind of done research wise with them. The first one is extending Grady Jarrett who's a defensive tackle that is 20 million plus of cap this year and 23 million plus next year. Um, he's 28. He's, he's one of the top defensive tackles in football. Um, that's not a position I love to pay right now because you're kind of finding these guys on the street and plugging them in. This kid seems somewhat special. He's probably the right age to, to do this with. So a restructured extension for him where you push cap maybe two years down into that 2023 year when things should get good. That makes sense to me. That's probably the safest first move for them to really free up their draft pool cap and go from there. The second move is, all right, everybody kind of likes what just happened. Kyle Pitts is a gigantic addition. You know, let's say you get a couple of weeks of minicamp with him and everybody's kind of, overconfident, you know, how you get with a brand new team every year and Mm -hmm. everybody thinks they can win the Super Bowl, which means Julio Jones is pretty happy with what he's seen, right? His old buddy, Matt Ryan can still do it. They brought in Mike Davis, which is a sneaky, good running back acquisition, in my opinion. I just think there's, there's there's a real chance for this offense. They have not restructured Julio Jones at all on this new contract and they've restructured everybody. So, they could just flat out restructure his base salary and push 12 million of you know of of cap space out into into the next 4 5 years with void years and they'd be good to go with their draft pool so okay. if julio's going to stay that's a no brainer though he is 32 you're playing with fire from a dead cap situation there but it's possible and then option 3 is trade him june 2nd you, uh, you, you know, you light it on fire. You trade him to Baltimore. You trade him to New England. You trade him to wherever, San Francisco, right? Chicago. And you get massive value for a 32-year-old wide receiver in the 2022 draft. To me, those are the three moves. And it's, it's all about how the next couple of weeks go and really the next couple of days draft-wise go. You know, can they? Because they have massive defensive holes, massive. So they need lighting in a bottle with the next couple of picks here in Atlanta and maybe a couple of uh, UDFAs to come in and, and really win over some spots because they are cap, you know, cap. Restricted. And they have a lot. 
they have a lot of late late picks they have three in the yeah. they have one fourth three fifths and two six so you know they need to hit I, I, yeah they, they need to hit but the fact that they have all of that in the back end they may want to package that to move up to get a better player a couple of thirds you know, it's a good those, idea scott that, those those six round picks they don't usually hit so yeah. I, I would like to see it i heard a really really interesting stat this morning with the falcons which is why i brought up the the tight end pick they with how they were last year the stat was they looked at the record and how many games the falcons had as a loss by a one score game and if it was flipped where they would have won those one score games they could have easily been like an 11 or 12 in team so the guys are there it's just they didn't work and it happens that it's almost like a gold state warriors where they got the wiseman pick it just happened to be that it was a year that they were horrible they got a high pick and now they've got this tight end that could be change you know franchise changing tight end that is eventually probably going to want to be considered as a wide receiver and not a tight end when all is said and done and if if things hit this year and you, like you just said they can get some pieces on that defensive team they could be on the other side vying for the playoff position the the reason that they were in those games, Scott, is because the offense was pretty freaking good. They were. And this pick at number four is a shot to that division. Basically saying, look, we're going to go out there and try to outscore you. Okay, we're, we're ready for the shootouts. But if you, if you do a quick dive, the Saints are going to be worse. The Saints are not going to be the same Saints. They're just not. The Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold, major question mark. And then, of course, Tampa Bay, right? They, there's, a, there's a world where this offense right now can make them the second best team in this division pretty easily. And I think they know that, and that's why this was a no-brainer pick for them internally. It's not a good long-term pick because at some point, Matt Ryan's going to call, you know, the decline's going to hit. Who knows what, what happens with Julio Jones yeah, but, if that's a casualty here. But nobody's thinking even 2022. Nobody. Right. Exactly. And this is a for-now this division got weaker. We can get stronger offensively. Let's do it. And, and you can't fault them for that. You can't. Yeah, not at all. It's a win now, win now pick, sort of like we sure. were just saying with Jacksonville, where you want to win now, you take that warring back, you take that quarterback, and, and you go. That's a win now pick. They have pick 35, so they can take pretty much the best defensive player that is remaining on the board outside of, you know, 33 and 34. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like that pick because they are in the win now and everyone is saying, what do you do with Matt Ryan? You do nothing because they, they statistically did really well last year. You added another entity. Now you go and get some defensive players that could be studs or value defensive and they could literally do a 180 and in, in the blink of an eye here. Colleges. The last yeah. five years, first round selections. Insanity. Okay. So it's not who's number one. It's just how many picks. How many first round picks has Alabama had over the last five drafts in the first round? 21. 20, almost an entire draft. <laughs> almost an entire draft worth. 
Yeah. Uh, Alabama, 21. Ohio State, 11. LSU, 10. Ohio State and LSU just won last night, by the way. Clemson, two last night, nine total over the last five years. A lot of SEC, uh, sir. I was going to say, the SEC won last night. I mean, Alabama, I think- Louisiana State, Clemson, Georgia, four of your top five SEC. Ohio State's Big Ten. Big Ten had a big night last night. Penn State, a lot of Penn State. There's a Michigan in yeah. there. there a, bunch of, a couple of Northwesterns. They had a big night. Minnesota was in there. Um, Michigan is sixth on this list with six picks and uh, a bunch at five, a bunch at four. It's it's Alabama's world right now, and everybody else is playing for second, and that's just kind of life. And if you are in the AFC East, let's finish on this. How terrifying is Mac Jones with Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniels? <laughs> I don't know. TBD? I, I, yeah, I, I think so. I really do. Okay. I, I, because we saw or we heard a lot of rumblings that Stidham was their man and we had Cam in there <laughs> right. and, and, and I'm, I'm going to be a TBD. Yes. Mac Jones just happened to fall all the way to 15 to new England and they took it. But in a way I almost feel like new England was pigeonholed to have to take Mac Jones at 15, knowing they need a quarterback outside of if Cam doesn't work out again and everyone had slotted them to take that quarterback. Whereas, you know, they're, they're, again, they're fixing their mistakes from last year, having not done enough and and drafting weird lost Tom. I I just, I felt it was something that it it was a gimme as things fell to them. I'm prepared for them to win 10 games again. The opt-out situation was yeah, devastating. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, the guys that they are getting back mm-hmm. are going to help that team significantly. Um, the fact that you do have Mac Jones that can learn from Cam Newton, it's a similar situation with the 49ers where if you keep Jimmy, Trey Lance is going to be able to learn from Jimmy, whereas Mac Jones is going to be able to learn from cam newton and they don't necessarily have to play mac jones week one they can let cam do his thing and if they feel after week four or five they need to pull the plug then they pull the plug and throw mac jones to the wolves then so be it um cam newton has 1.5 million dollars worth of per game active bonuses we've seen this before with Bradford, with Mike Glennon, with a couple of quarterbacks that kind of bounce around like this. The Patriots don't have to pay that. He's got a $2 million signing bonus and a guaranteed $1.5 million salary. Um, they're going to see how big Mac Jones' arm is in a couple of weeks here in mm-hmm. person. And there's going to be no looking back, in my opinion. Whether he can play and, and make the decisions quickly and all that stuff is remains to be seen. But Cam Newton just doesn't have the physical abilities anymore. He doesn't. It's okay. He had a hell of a career. And he's a, he's a plug-and-play guy now. And I have to believe that the mindset in New England is we need to get right back where we've been. 
not let's build up. Let's let's you know slowly take steps to get back to a winning franchise. I think they think that defense is 100% ready to win a Super Bowl, and it was before the opt-outs last year. I think they've made pretty good strides on their offensive line. I think they've got a an edge rusher, something they haven't had in a few years now. And they brought in a couple of maybe uh, underrated sleeper weapons. So if Cam can't do it, I think Cam's going to have the opportunity this offseason to win the job. And when he can't, and I expect him not to be able to based on what Mac Jones has physically, I'm not even sure Cam Newton makes this roster, Scott. I think it's a $3.5 million partying gift. Because why would you keep him around at, for a million and a half of roster bonuses? That's a great, that's a great point. You know? I didn't think of that. Yeah. And, and New England has, um, looking here, they've got 10 more picks, three today. They got a lot on day day three. Yep. So I would not be surprised if they package and move up to get more. There's a running assets. back coming. There's a, probably a wide receiver coming. They're certainly good on tight ends for the next few years. They, they did their diligence there. But you're right. There's a lot of holes that can be filled and a lot of depth that can be built out on this roster. And that's a winning that's a winning recipe right there. So I, I think, you know, and and they have the space. I mean, they're not lacking and any they have space. The space. That's correct. That's correct. So if you're the Bills and, and it's good to be the Bills, you know, I liked their pick last night. I think they did the right thing. A lot of right things this offseason. Miami, the Jets and the Patriots all got better last night. And there's no way there's no question about it. <laughs> there's no question about it. So you're looking at one of the toughest divisions in football right now. And I, I think the Cam Newton watch should probably be on right now because of Mac Jones. I realize he's the fifth quarterback, and that generally means nothing. But specifically with this and the relationship that Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have had and the, the, the data that, that the Patriots probably have on this kid, this is best-case scenario, and this is a roster that's probably ready to win. So good for him. What else? I got a fifth year option question for you that yeah. came up when I was listening to some things and reading some things, sticking to the AFC East here with, with Josh Allen. I heard some conversation being talked about, you know, should they exercise Josh Allen's and Edmonds's fifth year options or hold off because of the fifth year option hitting the 2022 cap and, and, and waiting to extend them? Why why would the Bills necessarily care about 2022 cap when it doesn't even it's not even in effect yet? So wouldn't you just lock up the and exercise the option now, knowing that yes, it's going to be twenty some million, and then you can extend them, say February, if you wanted to wait. But the the guys I was listening to were saying. D don't even exercise the fifth year options and just wait to do everything next year so that you don't have to deal with, you know, having that additional cap on their 2022 books, even though 2022 isn't even being okay, you know, so it's, quote unquote, calculated. It's actually way simpler than that. Um, it's the biggest change of the year. These fifth year options. It's one of the most important changes for these teams to have to deal with. Sam Darnold's $18.8 million option for next year just got exercised this morning. It is fully guaranteed right now, as of today. 
He is fully guaranteed $23.6 million over the next two seasons from the Carolina Panthers or from anybody he gets traded to. I should put it that way. No matter what, for cap, for skill, for injury, it's his cash. That's the argument. The argument is, Scott, if you're planning on extending Josh Allen, then just extend Josh Allen whenever you want. Don't let this get in the way of it. And, and what I mean by that is, let's say, unfortunately, Josh Allen, let, they don't extend him all, all offseason. He's playing in 2021, and he has a nasty, massive injury. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now they're on the hook for $23 million in 2022. Fully guaranteed. It's his. Injury skill cap. I think there's no way the Buffalo Bills, who have two of these guys, you mentioned Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, that's $40 million of cap, excuse me, $30 million of combined 2022 guaranteed cash that you would be exercising by May 3rd. No way it's happening. Now, whether you don't do Josh Allen because you're definitely going to sign him or you don't do Tremaine Edmonds, and then you've got the ability to sign him at any point during the year or slap a franchise tag on him next year, I think that's the route a lot of teams are going to go in. I think now that the kind of no-brainers are all done in terms of these fifth-year options, we're going to start seeing a lot of no's. A lot of no's because of this. Because why take the risk? Why take the risk? If I like the guy, we'll extend him. We'll get it done. We've got time for that. Um, so it's, uh, it is a fine line right now. That's a lot of cash to be pushing in to 2022 when you've got a lot of these teams have plenty of unknowns real quick, just so there's a recap. So, Go ahead. When you say the cat, when does that lock in when they exercise that option, they'll get that cash or not until no, 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 it's, it's paid out next year, but it's guaranteed to be paid out. That's new. That's new. Previously, every year prior to this, Scott, it was okay. We exercise Sam Darnold today. It means he's guaranteed for injury. So if he does get injured, it's going to be his. But it's not fully guaranteed until the first league year of next season. So they, so they, cut they could him have cut the- him for no dead cap. They had, they had an out still. There is no out anymore. There's no out. So if they, if they exercise it and they get to the first league year and it locks in, but then they do the extension, does it, you know, can they reduce that amount or is it locked in for the... Wait, once you extend him, you can throw that away. Because okay. it hasn't been paid yet. It, it is still a base salary for 2022, which would be split up, you know, every, every week paid out kind of thing. But it's the difference is that it's fully guaranteed cash. It's not paid. It's not a signing bonus that's paid. It's, it's, it's future salary that's guaranteed. And, you know, the bills are going to exercise the $23 million option for Josh Allen. And then maybe three weeks later, they're going to extend him. And then that $23 million probably converts into a signing bonus. And they lower cap hits this year and next year, and everybody's happy. So it, it, it is sort of funny money right now until we get to next year. But it's, it's fully guaranteed funny money. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I, I guess that makes sense. Because if he's going to be... If they decline him, I, I, I guess it's all about timing. Yeah. If they de- if they decline it, they can still extend him by a year. Yeah. Right up until March 19th of next year, yeah. Right. 
I guess where I, the, the, the place that I was having an issue understanding where the, the guys I was listening to is coming from is that 23 million is going to hit their 2022 cap now. Yeah. But who cares? But right. And that's where, that's where I was going. Who cares? Because it, it, 2022 has nothing to do. It's future cap. You've got plenty of time to restructure it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, the cap part of it, the cap part of it shouldn't matter to anybody. It has no impact on the current cap at all. Um, it, well, it, 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 really, it Scott, all it is, is is for a player like Josh Allen, it's just a good faith gesture. For some instances, right, like Leighton Vander Esch, he's got a nine point one million dollar fifth year option, and Dallas just drafted another linebacker. So, you know, you may be using the fifth year option as a that's going to be it for us. We're going to transition away from you and into Micah Parsons after twenty twenty two, but we're happy to go fit five years on you and get a full rookie contract before we move on or try to trade you next off season with it. You know, maybe you just want to have rights to a player through next year for trade op- opportunities and things like that. So it's the, it's the maybes where this becomes a real conversation. The Josh Allen situation is, is moot. It's really moot. And like I said, the good faith part of it is we just want to make sure this guy doesn't hold out, right? If we decline this thing and put him on an expiring contract, that's going to piss him off. We certainly don't want to do that. So it's minutia for those kind of players. It's the middling guys where it's a big decision for the team. It's a big, big decision. It's a lot of fully guarantees happening right away. Um, but real quick, just to, just a recap on that. Why is Josh Allen 23 million, Baker Mayfield 18.8, Sam Darnold 18.8, Lamar Jackson 23 million? Why, why the difference in positions? I'll say it again, and you know we can roll our eyes together, Scott. It's based on playing time and Pro Bowl berths over the first three seasons of your rookie contract. So, look, if you're a fan, if you're a Bills fan, no, no, if you're a Bears fan and Justin Fields takes the keys to the Bears starting this year, do you want him to have the highest fifth-year option value? Like, should you vote for him to go to the Pro Bowl? Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or do you want to make sure that the Bears have a break in 2025 and they can save one or two million on his fifth year option if that's the route they're going to go? It's such a weird dynamic. It almost makes you not want to vote for your favorite player to go to the Pro Bowl because it's going to cost your team more money. (laughs) Like, who cares if he goes to the Pro Bowl? If the Bears are winning, that's all. He's going to get his money anyway. Don't don't even vote for him. It's such a weird situation. It's such it a is. weird situation, but that's how it is. And it's not unlike the all NBA situation with max contracts. Yeah. Um, although that's a little bit more formal in the voting process, but th- that that's where we live right now. So if you're looking at our fifth year tracker, uh, which I've got up on our spots part portion of spot track, I've got the values for all 32 2018 first rounders. And I'm tracking yes or no, if they've been exercised. So you can kind of keep up with that. And I'll make sure to tweet that out as well. All right. That's a pretty fun first first night for the NFL draft. Round two tonight and round three tonight. We will probably be back, I don't know, probably Sunday again, Scott, to, to recap. I'm going to hold Shit. off on the UDFA chaos until mm-hmm. everything's finalized. So I'm going to take a deep breath Sunday and we can have a little uh, a recap and a debriefing on, on what we saw in terms of the, the actual draft picks. And then midweek next week, we'll start to go through the UDFAs and start to understand, you know, which teams did the best there 
It's a pool of $160,000 this year, by the way. So that's the signing bonuses. I believe that's what I saw. 160, maybe it's 1.6 million. So, so when you mean that, you you're saying that's what they can spend up to as many draft undrafted free bonuses. agents as they want. Uh, yeah, signing bonuses. I, I'll tweet out the actual number on that, but it, it's a uh, it's somewhere around there every single year. And there's a uh, there's just a cap on how much you can give away to your UDFAs. That's all. But it's a uh, Look, it's a very, very important time for a lot of teams. More and more of these kids are making the rosters. More and more of these kids are impactful in come postseason time. It's a, uh, it's as important as ever. And yes, it is. The rookie reservation is one hundred and sixty thousand dollars this year, which is the max amount of signing bonus a team can give out to all of their UDFA's combined. So you're going <laughs> to see you're going to see a bunch of twelve thousand dollar bonuses and ten thousand dollar bonuses. You may see some teams go hundred grand. On a, on a player that should have been drafted, but they have to overpay to get him on their team as a UDFA. So something to keep an eye on come Sunday. Is this, is this pool new? Nope. I don't, I don't remember hearing about nope. this. Nope. It's, but look, that's only signing bonus. You can guarantee salary as much as you want. So you want to guarantee the whole first year salary, go for it. I mean, that's how you get some of these guys to sign. That's how you... And our- some of those UDFAs, they, can, they don't have to necessarily be at that minimum salary. They could be more than the minimum, correct? Almost all of them are going to be at the three-year contract, which is, which is three years, two point four million, and uh, and then you tack on a little bonus, and maybe you guarantee some of that first-year salary. That's how you get these guys in the door. So is it is it typical that UDFA sign a three-year deal instead of just a one-year deal? It is typical. Usually they get the full three years, and uh, but it's it's funny money. Yeah. And the reason you get the full three is you spread out that bonus a little bit and you give them some security. You know, you have them under contract. So if they hit year one, you can get them year two on a minimum salary. And there's a lot of reasons to do it. Generally speaking, those guys don't count against the top 51 for the offseason. So you can carry them kind of for free cap wise. There's really no impact to the roster and, you right. know, when you're carrying 90 players. So it's, it's a no brainer for teams if you can find diamonds in the rough. And that's maybe as as important this weekend as as the actual draft picks for a lot of teams. So it's a busy four or five days for us. It's busy certainly for the teams, and a lot of kids are having their lives change right now. So we'll uh, we'll keep tweeting out the numbers. Any questions? We're at Spotchark on Twitter, and Scott, good work on the trades. I'm sure you're gonna have a very busy night. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know it. All right, our thanks to the Athletic, theathletic.com/slash/spotchark. Get you forty percent off. Plenty of draft grades, plenty of draft coverage at theathletic.com right now. And of course, Dynasty Owner. All these rookies have to get drafted into your Dynasty Fantasy football teams. And the contracts matter. All of these rookie contracts will be coming to Dynasty Owner. And Trevor Lawrence's $9 million plus average salary will have to be tacked on to your fantasy roster. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself signed up today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>